privilege to welcome Pastor Hercules of Hercules for, uh, for ministering the word this morning. Uh, Hercules is the general manager at uh, Shofar Head Office, and he's also the regional leader of uh, our Lund- two London churches and our Utrecht church. And uh, we've, we've uh, got quite a bit of a history together. Um, we uh, were students together in Stellenbosch. We were flatmates at one stage. We uh, did a whole bunch of things together. He's been the pastor at Shofar Wooster, and he's been in uh, Shofar Franz Hook also in the past. And uh, yeah, for, for, for you, those who don't know, I shared on, on this Friday night as well, they've really felt the Lord lead them to, to go to London to move their family. So he and his wife and their three beautiful daughters are moving to London, you know, and uh, I just think it's just so inspiring, it, uh, just amazing to, 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 to pay that price for the sake of the kingdom, you know, so I just think, yeah, Pastor Hercules can just, yeah, I can, we can really receive this morning, knowing that he speaks from a place of fully committed to the kingdom of God, to see God's kingdom extended, and uh, it's been an awesome weekend as well, just with the with the training we had yesterday morning and Friday night. It's just been great to have you guys here. Okay, let's put our hands together. Thanks, uh, Andre. Uh, yeah, you and your wife is definitely the best hosts that I've been at in the, in the you know, uh, all the time that I've been in the ministry. It's just amazing how you would um, overextend yourselves to, uh, to really make one feel at home. So thanks a lot. And uh, it's a blessing to be here and uh, to see what God is busy doing in the ministry that you guys are so committed um, at. Can we stand and uh, just quickly commit this time to God? Father, what a privilege it is to, to come to stand in your presence. And this morning we have the desire, O oh Lord, to, to just come and commit our lives to fulfill your life's calling. And Father, to, to take the purposes that you've set out for each one of us, Father God, to the place where we can really live purposeful lives. And Father, I pray this morning as we come into your presence, as you come to speak to us, we invite your Holy Spirit. We invite your Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us standing here this morning. Father, we have no desire to fulfill our own ways. But this morning we ask you, Father God, to come and show us your ways. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Um, I want to just continue on something that we've started this weekend and... um, you know, we are talking about leadership and, and especially living a purposeful life, um, uh, the kind of life that you and I find ourselves in bearing fruit. And, um, you know, Schaefer writes a book, and um, I was, um, again, so confronted with it. He says that every um, civilization comes to the same cycle where they start off well, and then they would go into a cycle of asking some questions, coming to a desperation, a time where everyone calls out freedom. And you know what? When, uh, 
when civilization comes to a place where even South Africa is at this stage and where the world is at, I can tell you it's the same old, same old. Because at a stage like this, when a reformation or a revolution or, you know, whatever happened in the past in history happens, somebody must go and sit down and go and say, you know, how the new season will look like. Because certain principles determine certain outcomes in the life that we are living Certain principles that we live by produces certain fruits in our lives, and because we are committed to those principles, we will see either the fruit or not, according to our commitment toward it. Now, I want to say to you this morning, you know, um, it's, uh, it's just strange how we as, as humans forget that uh, God is the only thing that we should um, focus on. I've asked the question over the weekend, what determines success? Success gets determined by the person who, after all, determines the values and the outcomes of what success is. And if we say that God is determining success in our life, we only need to please God. Listen to this scripture out of Isaiah chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with them, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. This is not a nice scripture. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 14 verse 14. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. tough stuff that we are talking about this morning. John chapter 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now I want to say to you this morning, every one of us cry out freedom, and we want freedom in our lives, but I want to say to you this morning, your freedom is going to cost somebody else's freedom, because if you do whatever you want, They will have to give up what they want so that you can fulfill your freedom. Is that not true? Are you with me this morning? Is London, are you awake? (laughs) Because we all call out freedom and we want to do whatever we want to do. And especially in this, you know, iPhone, iPod, i generation, we are all focused on what is going to help me. And can I just say this morning that democracy is exactly that? That you and I, according to what we think ourselves, is going to benefit ourselves the best that we choose. That is the, the essence of democracy. The fact that you and I have the privilege to make a decision which is best for me. Okay, you are astonished this morning. Are you with me? <laughs> So the society that we've created for ourselves is one where we focus so much on ourselves that we forget that whatever is going to benefit me is going to cost somebody else their freedom. (laughs) And so there's two kind of people 
in this world, those who worship God and those who worship the idols in their lives. And I just want to say that the thing that you fear is a thing that you will become. The thing that you fear is the one that you will worship. And so we either worship God or we worship the stuff that we have in our lives. So Jesus had this time with his disciples in John chapter 21. And um, Jesus spent some time with his disciples around the fire and he has these uh, discussions with a few of all of his disciples. And at this stage, um, they came to catch some fish. Peter came back to the place where he said to his disciples, Jesus is gone. All the hope is gone. Can we just talk about, you know, what, uh, what we should do next? Let's rather go back to what we know best. Let's go rather back to the things that we've always done and produced fruit for us. And then Jesus comes to confront him and says to him, can we just have a discussion about this catching of fish? (laughs) Because Peter, did I not walk a road with you in saying to you, do you love me more than these? That Peter... Can we have the discussion about the securities in your life, the things that is most important to you, because when the poor boy hits the fan, you will always run to the things that you have your securities in. Are you with me this morning? And this is exactly where the world is at. There's all kinds of stuff, like these things, and the cars that we drive, and the houses that we live in, that bring such security that we don't give God the kind of blank check where He can do anything in our lives. God, yes, I so want to do what you want me to do, but God, can we just talk about that uh, amount of money that I'm still owing on my house, on my car? God, I must first work off those things, and then I can get to a place that I can fulfill your calling upon my life. That pension fund. God, can we just talk about the fact that I'm still very much in line with that projection of where I'm going to end off uh, at my work and get to a place where I can actually have enough money to um, go and retire. Are you, are you with me this morning? A place where Jesus says to Peter, Peter, can we have this discussion that I did not call you to be a fisher, a fisherman, but a fisher of men. And so I want to say to you this morning, many of us are confronted in the times that we are living in. You know, even going to Europe from time to time, I, I see it in the eyes of the people. There's fear. Because people are shaken in the securities that they had for so many, so many decades of having enough money, having enough stuff, and now there's a visitation from God. What is your security about? And so I want to say to you this morning, When it gets to living a life of fruit, we must first be confronted with why are we then not fearing God more than anything else in our lives. And I can say to you, one of the things is that we are not whole. And to get to that place of wholeness is a place to walk into the holiness of God where we can start to see God for who He is. And we sang it this morning, but I can promise you it's not happening in our lives. The kind of fruit where you and I must be honest with ourselves that one day we're going to stand in heaven, and I said it to the guys over the weekend as well, and we're going to stand in front of God and we're going to say, holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord God Almighty. And you know what? If we cannot practice that now here on earth, we will never be able to get into eternity and experience the blessing of the awesomeness and the beauty of God for who He is. And so I want to say to you, the place of holiness is where we are confronted directly with who is, who, who, who's the idols in our lives. And so, in getting to that place, I want to say to you, being in the manifest presence and glory of God brings us to a direct confrontation of what He has made us to be. And I've said it to the guys over the weekend, but I just want to explain it again. If I want to drill a hole in that wall with a pencil, what will happen to that pencil? Okay. Woo, are you awake? A pencil. A pencil is made to write. <laughs> so if you try to drill a hole in the wall, the pencil is going to break. Oh, we're getting, we're getting there. <laughs> So, if you use the pencil for what it is made to, to, to do, it will always be an amazing tool to write and to draw pictures and to do awesome stuff. But you know what? If you like me, opening that device or that present without going through the instruction manual and you start to use it and it breaks because you didn't use it for the right purposes, and you didn't use it um, the way that it's been supposed to be set up, <laughs> you get back to the, the question, what was it created to do? And my question to this morning to you is, we are broken, and we don't see the holiness of God for what it is, because we are, ma we are made for a certain purpose, and many of us are not used for that purpose. And if you are used for the wrong purpose in this life and you don't get to the place where you encounter the king and you can experience the blessing of a true relationship with him where he can reveal his agenda to you, you will never find purpose in life. You will never have the kind of fruit where you can say that I'm significant. Ooh, are you with me? Because if you don't spend time in the presence of God, I can promise you you've got nothing to reflect. And so God called us to do three things here on earth. He called us to represent Him. He called us, and that is a big um, risk. Can I just say that this morning? It's a big risk to allow us, as His people, <laughs> to represent Him. Because we are not truly doing everything that Jesus asked us to do. The second thing is He asked us to reflecting, which means that there's a greater and a lesser light. God is the greater light, and so like the moon, reflecting the greater light, it reflects the glory of the sun to the earth. And I can tell you, you and I are called to a place where we can reflect the glory of God. But we don't spend enough with the King of all kings in His presence so that He can transform us and reflect through us His manifest glory. And you and I have been called to reflect Him in everything that we do. So my question this morning is, are we reflecting Him in our workplace? Are we reflecting Him wherever we go? Because the third one is the one of rep 
reproducing. We have an obligation because of the command of Jesus to actually come to a place where I can impart whatever I receive in somebody else's life so that they can become a disciple to Jesus. And so I want to say to you, producing a lot of fruit means that we must get to the confrontation and the understanding that God did not even call us to leadership. He called us to discipleship. Okay, there's one amen. I need your participation this morning. (laughs) Because this is going to change your life if you allow God to do it this morning. Coming to a place where we start to ask ourselves the questions, you know, uh, do we fear God? I want to say to you, Adam and Eve rebelled against the same thing that God wanted them to be, dependent on Him. Their independence became the greatest stumbling block because at the end they wanted to do it the way that they wanted to do it. And so I can tell you the flesh within us will always rebel against the exact things that God has called us within this life. We rebel against the very same thing that we were made to be. So then, why do we fear... Um, idols more than we fear God. And um, I want to mention three things that um, is quite obvious, but I think uh, we should uh, talk about it this morning. The first one is we, accept, we want to be accepted by the trend, not being out of step with society. I think it was um, one of the elders that spoke about it last night, running past an um, uh, 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 affluent um, community and um, passing every house, the people had exactly the same trampoline in their backyard. It was just so strange. It's not as if uh, there's uh, only one uh, trampoline on, on sale, <laughs> but we want to keep up with the Jones. We want to make sure that we have exactly what the person next to us have. Is it not so? <laughs> and so materialism, beauty, status, um, some of us just rebel against everything that we know. <laughs> I remember my grandpa always told us as kids, he said, we as the Oppermans, we have this motto that whenever we get to a country, we say, who's the people in charge? And if they answer, we say, well, we are against them. <laughs> It was actually one of the things that I had to repent at um, Foundations for, what encounters. <laughs> because I know that, you know, some of us just rebel against anything and everything that seems to be the trend. <laughs> and then the second thing is uh, identity in my culture, my family legacy, and the fact that we are so afraid to disappoint our families and the culture that we are in that we would rather have other idols than God. And then thirdly, instructors in our lives, parents, teachers, pastors, people that influence us, that speak into our lives and make certain things priority above God. Listen to the rich young ruler, Matthew 19, verse 16 to 22. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? 
There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And I just say that Jesus was confronting this rich young ruler with the thing that mattered most in his life. Jesus said to him, you know, it's fine if you live by the principles that I've set out for you, but can we get to the deeper understanding of your existence? Can we all just agree this morning that this man came to Jesus because he wanted more? Okay. Can we agree? (laughs) He had this desire. He said, Jesus, I want more out of life. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing amazing stuff for you and for the kingdom and for the amazing kingdom that you represent. But can we talk about what this life that you are talking about to all the people here on earth is about? And Jesus said to him, can we get back to what matters most? Am I really the idol in your life? (laughs) Can we talk about the relationship that you have with the Father? Will you give that up above everything? And my challenge to you this morning is the same challenge that um, Andre spoke about um, this morning when he introduced me. You know, I've been confronted with that. God said to me, listen, pack up your things and go to England and live on the salary that you have on this side. (laughs) But you know what? If I don't have a blank check that I give to God and say, God, you determine where I'm going, it will always be a challenge. And I think that some of us are so focused on the things that matters in this life that we can't give God a blank check. And so I've met um, a guy that came after one of these uh, sessions to me. Young guy came to me and said, Pastor, this is amazing. But can I just tell you, I am a bass guitar player, and I'm playing the drums. God can take everything away from me, but please, just not the guitar and the drums. I will worship Him with these things. I will do whatever is necessary. I said to him, guess what God is going to take first? (laughs) Because counting the cost means that you and I must first, within our hearts, decide, will we give up everything to follow Jesus? And many of us are still not saved. Can I be very honest with you? Because salvation means that Jesus became the head of our lives. The most basic place where you and I can find ourselves in salvation is the place where Jesus is sitting on the throne. And you and I gave up everything that we have so that we can say, Jesus, do do with it whatever you want to And so in the midst of that, I can tell you that some of us are afraid of what God would expect of of us following the kingdom, maybe even moving to another place, selling our possessions, whatever. But we need, need to get to a place where we say, God, I give you the blank check. And that brings us to the next question. 
So if then we've put God on that pedestal in our lives, if God is the most important thing, why are we still not experiencing the fullness? I want to say to you, some of us need to go through healing. Because if your um, will gets broken to the extent that you cannot bear it anymore, there's certain places of pain that you need to deal with God first before you can experience the blessings of God. And I can tell you, it's like a car with a battery. God is the life source, the battery. If the cables is not working, if it's bended or it's broken, the life source cannot get to you. And some of us are going through such pain that we cannot actually get to a place of surrender with God because we're not experiencing the life source. And you might be sitting here this morning, and I want to I challenge you with it. Can I just say that time does not heal? Do you agree with me? The choice to change. The choice to confront that issue head on and to go and find the soothing ointment from the King of all kings where he can come and touch our hearts and bring healing to the pain, the balm of Gilead. You and I come to a place where we find our healing. And within this life, I can tell you, there's the old story of us falling like a pendulum from the one side to the other. And it's all about control. Because if you and I can control our life and the decisions that we make in this life, we would feel in control. So some of us fall to the one side of the pendulum where we have total control. And we are so in total control where we become arrogant. Arrogant to the extent where we even would manipulate and control people and use our money to control people around us. Or the other side of the coin where uh, we find ourselves in self-pity. And self-pity brings us to a place where we say, Oh God, I'm just not good enough. I cannot ever do anything for your kingdom. God, as soon as I try, everything falls apart. I'm surely not gifted enough for your kingdom. Are you with me this morning? Can I just say to you, the bottom part of this pendulum, the base of this pendulum that's running in our lives, is exactly the same thing. Because it's selfishness. Because if we focus on our own devices and our flesh, we will always want to have more control or complain about what we don't have. And that brings us to the confrontation of what life is all about. Because if we cannot find a place of contentment in God where God becomes everything and we become less, we will never find a place of fruitful lives. I want to actually just read to you the following. The selfishness and control manifest through a pendulum. Self-pity through fear and rejection, focus on own ability, shame, guilt. Self-pity leads to passivity because of being rejected. Always defending and justifying. Have you met people that always justifies, always try to uh, pr- protect their name and to always try to defend 
you know, if you want to talk to them about issues. And that leads to suicide. I'm just not good enough. And that's why we find so many people in this world that wants to commit suicide and fall into depression because they are totally focusing on their own devices, on self, on the flesh. Listen to this. Rebellion leads to rejection, to rejecting those who reject you. Rebellion or arrogance that focus on own ability is pride. Rebellion against authority opens the door to the devil to mislead us. And this leads to homicide. Why? Because if I'm in total control over somebody's life, I don't even feel a thing for his life. I will take his life if I can just do whatever I want to. That is the extreme. And I can tell you, if you've seen the mafia, (laughs) they don't give a swat about what's happening in people's lives because they are controlling people's lives. And that makes them feel powerful. So can we just have this conversation this morning? I know this is tough stuff. But some of us are walking in a room and we always just want to be in control. Hey, I'm the man, hey. And some of us are falling in such self-pity because we are not getting this thing called life right. And God is calling us back to the place and He says to us, listen, you're not supposed to get it right. (laughs) If I understand um, uh, 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 um, Peter and even Paul right, they said, I want to become less. I want to admit that God, it's out of my weaknesses that you become my strength. The place of maturity where we can find contentment within what God is doing in our lives. And so, our total surrender to God, God's ability in us through humility and contentment. There's an established value system that kicks in when the flesh is being tested. Both is the root of self and both leads to isolation, loneliness and bitterness and frustration. The flesh usually get tested by a level of preoccupation with control and two common magnifiers expose us. Money and relationships. If I have enough money, I can pay my way through life. I can make choices because I can. (laughs) Because I can pay for whatever choice I want to make. Are you with me this morning? Are you still awake? All relationships. If I at my workplace can be in a position where I am the manager and I am such a cool guy and I can use and abuse people to come to all the things that I've been called to do, I feel in control. And I don't need God. If I have enough money and if I have control, I don't need God. And so I can tell you The sad thing about this picture is the fact that always we come to the same place again, like society, a reformation. It's a vicious cycle that the world always sees. A place where you and I must admit that even in the best of societies, look at the US today, and I'm saying this with fear and trembling because I know that... um, not a hundred years ago, 
there was an amazing establishment that ruled the world. And so today they're in a vicious cycle of being too powerful. And they're so caught up in their own devices that they must come back to the king of kings and admit our devices are not working. And our country is in exactly the same place now. And I want to tell you, if we don't get back to bowing our knee before the king of all kings, we will go the same route. For your life, it's the same. We as individuals are at the same place of confrontation where God says, have you forgotten that I am the Alpha and the Omega? I'm the beginning and I'm the end and I'm the everything of your life or nothing. I don't want to go halfway. I'm a jealous God. I'm so jealous that I want my holiness to prevail in your life. I want my life... I want your life to, to, to reflect the shining light of my presence. And so I can say to you this morning, we normally, in this seeking of you know, controlling the flesh and trying to be in control of our lives, always get to the same place where we start to project <laughs> our issues. Spoke to uh, one of the elders there in um, Franz Huck, Johnny Bell, and he said to me, you know, it's strange, one day our kids got us together for a family discussion. So we sat around the table, and so the kids started to talk about our issues, me and my wife. And I soon realized that everything that they are busy blaming me of is the things that I always blame my wife of. Okay. Is there married people here? Do you marry people in this church? (laughs) Is it not so? The issues that normally happens in our lives is the things that we project on our partners. It's the stuff that we always expect our partners to sort out. Is it not so? And he said to me, the strange thing is, he realized that he's only projecting the things that actually must change in his own life. And so we project things because we don't want to deal with it. The other thing is, we always have excuses, blame shifting. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never my fault. There's always, can we just talk about the context and the circumstances of this situation? And so even the psychologist would say to you, you know what, it's not your fault. Okay, that's now the unsaved psychologist. These amazing psychologists, I don't want to... Because uh, we've got in our ranks such amazing psychologists. But where the world is at, I can tell you, it's always, can we talk, talk about your feelings? Can we talk about the fact that you are not to blame? I want to say to you this morning, until you and I get to the place and standing before God and saying, God, please... Come and change and transform my life. Take my brokenness to a place where I can actually fulfill your life's calling. We will never get to a place of fruit. Psalm 51 verse 10. Create in me a clean clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Listen to this. Humility is a willingness to be known for who you are. Humility allows one to take an honest look 
at your shortfall against the truth of God. Through the cursing of our identity, and this is an important one, Satan hopes to do two things. Distort or replace entirely your image of who God has called you to be, drive you out of your place of habitation, the place of protection which is yours, your family, marriage, church, employment, and then um, to steal your inheritance, what God, that which God has meant to be an inheritance or heritage to you, your children, your finances, ministry, and relationships. So can we just talk about God's safety net for you and I? The first one is, if we live according to these principles, we will be in a safe place. Can we just agree to that this morning? Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. So many people are not living according to the instruction manual that God has given us in this life. Many people are just forgetting that God actually knows the best why he created us. (laughs) If God is the creator of our lives, I want to challenge you again this morning, would he not know best how you should live to actually come to your fruit? And so God has given us the instruction manual and he says to us, listen, I've even left you the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you so that you can come to your fruit. But we don't spend time with God. To say the least, you know, (laughs) we're not even even mentioning our day to him. And I'm so challenged. I'm telling you, the other day, you know, I was just, um, uh, I'm telling this to, to the guys the weekend as well. I was just reminded by the fact that if I spend time with the Lord in the morning, how He reveals to me with an expectation what I'm going to um, address today. What is the things that God is going to address in my life today? And I go with that expectation into today because I know that God is unfolding Himself through every circumstance and every person around me and every relationship that I have with people God is speaking to me. It's not coincidence. It's not just, you know, another scary, um, lucky moment when I miss that call. But I know that because God said this morning, be careful. Pray for your protection because while you're driving to the city, there's an assignment against your life. And I know that God is part of my life, not because God is not, because I've seen Him. And I've seen his presence in my life. And I've seen what he can do in my life. And so uh, I go with that expectation. And I drive my car. And when I miss that car, I just know God. (laughs) Again, you are in control of my life. Can I just say, guys, if we leave this building this morning, God has a plan for the rest of this day. (laughs) And Sunday, it's, it's even more difficult. Because we're going to sleep now, eh? (laughs) I'm challenging you this morning because God is challenging me. And He's saying to me, you know what? I want you to live the kind of fruitful life where every moment of the day is is a moment where I can manifest myself to you. Where I can reveal myself. It's not as if God is not in control and as if God is not um, part of my life, but I'm not seeing it. 
And I know that so many of you are sitting here this morning and you are living lives of protection from God and you're living lives of even God's provision and God's um, partnership with you and you're not seeing it. And the sad thing of it is that we are missing out because if you know what God is doing, you start to live a life of fruit. (laughs) Expectation. Amazing stuff that God wants to do in our lives. And so... Malachi 4 verse 6 says, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So the second thing then, the fact that God has given us certain people to speak into our lives, and that is a protection, a safety net for us. We're not designed to walk by our own. And these days it's strange how, you know, as a pastor or even as a small group leader, you would speak into somebody's life and it's a, a lot easier just to leave the church and to go to another church or even to another small group because who gives them the right to speak into my life? <laughs> okay, not in this church. <laughs> pastor Andre, that does not happen in this church. It's happening globally, okay? <laughs> I can tell you wherever I go, People would tell you, and that's why there's so many offenses and so many people hurt with the church today and with church leadership. We need to come to the place with an understanding that God has protected us through people in accountability where you and I can start to grow because we're willing to walk the road with people in our lives. And so, lastly, I want to just mention the place of the wilderness. And uh, this is normally a a difficult one, but I just want to say, testing will come to strip you from your calling. Your identity lies within God, not your calling. We get so excited about, ooh, these wonderful callings. There's so many books these days, you know. You get so excited about your calling and the great stuff that God is going to do in your life. Ooh! I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. And then I can tell you, after all has been said and done, we get back to the place, the realization that God is going to test you to see if the character is really so strong. Because if if your character cannot sustain the anointing upon your life, you will fall. And there's many leaders today, many Christian people, that are falling because they want quick fixes. They want to be amazing, anointed people of God. They want to do great exploits for God, but they forget that the testing will come. Why do God test us? Why is it necessary for God to actually put us through the test? Can we not just live life and have a comfortable, amazing afternoon without confrontation? And Because testing and tribulation expose our character. And in doing so, we need to know where's the areas that God wants to work at in our lives. And to the world, when we overcome those things, we reflect the glory of God in and through our lives. I don't want to stay the same. I want to be confronted by God on the things that I still must grow in. You know why? Not because I want to become so great. But I know if I want want to be blessed to be a blessing... I need to grow for other people's sake. Because if I want to impart anything into somebody else's life, I must first change myself. Are you with me this morning?
Okay. These people are so amazing. I'm just careful. They're too, too, um, too, 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 too great in this church. <laughs> Guys, we need to come to the place and the understanding that God brings testing in our lives to expose. Now, many people make decisions in life when they are in tribulation or testing. And I want to say to you this morning, if you are sitting here and you go through a lot of testing and hardship and difficult circumstances, see it through first before you make any big decisions in life. Why? Because testing is not a time when you and I change. If you are on the war field and the war is going on and there's uh, big tanks and you have only a kitty. There is issues. Because you are not going to take the tank down with your kitty. But after the war, you can go and re-equip yourself and make sure that next time you come with a bazooka. (laughs) And that's why I'm saying you will go through this test until you have the bazooka. Some people are just allowing the cycle in their lives of going through the same test and same test and same test over and over again so many times that they sit in the wilderness for too long and they never get out of it. And it breaks them. They become the broken reed that cannot be strengthened again. Are you with me this morning? We need to get out of this place. We need to get to a place where we say, God, okay, I see there's something wrong. I'm not going to allow this to happen in my life again. I want to go through even the hardship and the pain to deal with this thing. But God, I want to get to the other side where you can start to equip me so that I, through the choices in my life, can start to grow again. Because God, I cannot stay the same. You know what? God loves you enough that He don't want you to stay the same. God will challenge you. If you have a living relationship with the Almighty God, you will understand that God has such love for you that he would want you to to grow beyond yourself. Let me just read this scripture. Matthew 25 verse 21. Can we stand?